requests, you can reach us um, through our website or through the Facebook page, uh, as you can see on the screen. Um, if there's any updates, we'll update you through the Facebook page as well. Um, and so check out the webs website as well as the Facebook page. See how you can be connected with some of the things going on. Uh, I also want to encourage you to look at the caring and sharing. It's available on the LJC uh, ljchurch.org uh, website, and you can see the link to the caring and sharing there, or you can pick one up in the welcome center. Um, lots of things going on. One of the things that I want to encourage you to uh, think about is uh, giving back to the Lord. And so uh, there is a QR code if you want to take a picture. For those of you who, if you're like me, a little slower, uh, if you open your camera on your phone and put the QR in that, a little drop box comes down, you can follow that and it will take you to a link to where you can give. Um, and that should work. If, you, if it doesn't work, let me know and we'll, we'll figure out how to help you with that. But you can give back to the Lord. Um, we are doing our discerning um, time right now uh, where we're looking at what's collected over this first quarter of the year to help us discern what our budget will be for the uh, 2021 to 2022 budget. Um, whatever is done in this time will help us know what we can or cannot do with our ministries. In a couple of weeks, um, Soul Link will be happening, um, not up in BAML like it usually is. The, what they're doing is going to be online only. And so some of the uh, local area churches, so Southern Houston churches, are getting together. And we're going to meet at the Texas Baptist Encampment. And we're going to have a day-long uh, Soul Link. And so I really hope if you have students uh, in the youth group age, encourage them to come to this it's going to be a really great weekend of or day i should say of lifting each other up encouraging one another and learning about the good news i'm missing a page here we go and i've done that one okay before we jump into a um jump into the call to worship uh, from psalm 41 because today is Valentine's Day, because today is a day that we are encouraged to love each other a little extra and show that love a little extra, um, I want to encourage you, whether you're online or in person, at some point this week, go through the church directory and call someone that you've not seen or talked to in a while. Let them know that you love them, because that's what we are, a family, right? We are a family, and families are supposed to love each other. So let me encourage you to go through the, the directory. If you need help getting to the directory, call the church office and we will help you get the directory. But call somebody in the church and let them know you love them. Check in on them. Somebody you haven't seen in a while. And let me encourage you to do one more than that. Reach out to our elders and our deacons. Let them know that you're praying for them as they lead this church. Our elders need to know that they are doing a good job, and our deacons too. Let, let them know that you love them and you appreciate all that they're doing for them, for, for you as a church, for us as a church. Let me encourage you to do that. Psalm 41. Let's stand and say this together.
Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. The Lord protects and preserves them. They are counted among the blessed in the land. He does not give them over to the desire of their foes. The Lord sustains them on their sickbed and restores their, their illness. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. We'll have a, we'll jump into our worship, but I did forget we are going to be doing the Lord's Supper. And if you haven't uh, picked that up yet, let me encourage you to get that. If you're at home as well, uh, now's a great time for you to go ahead and do that. Thank you. Good morning. Remain standing and we'll sing. You are good, you are good, when there's nothing good in me. You are love, you are love, on display for all to see. You are light, you are light, when the darkness closes in. You are hope, you are hope, you have covered all my sin. You are peace, you are peace, when my fear is crippling. You are true, you are true, even in my wandering. You are joy, you are joy, you're the reason that I sing. You are life, you are life, in you death has lost its sting. And oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever reigns. You are more, you are more than my words will ever say. You are Lord, you are Lord, all creation will proclaim. You are here, you are here, in your presence I may hold. You are God, you are God, of all else I'm letting go. And oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever reigns. I'm running to your arms. I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever reigns. My
Thank you. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the gifts that you have heaped upon us. Keep us aware that um, we're your hands doing your work and by your will in ways that, pray, that please you. Uh, oh, today we're in another holiday where our culture celebrates love with gifts and cards and celebrations. Keep us aware that you are love and that love is one of your deep truths and guide us to find ways to share your love every day. And finally, Lord, we hold up our ministry to Haiti's children. Help us to help them. Thank you for the opportunity to serve. Thank you for your greatest gift, your son, Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Good morning. Uh, I'll be starting off with the reading from 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 10. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. 
He sent his one and only son into the world that he might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So this bread and this cup represents the love God has for us. The love that uh, God loves us so much that he wants us to live with him forever. Now that can only happen through the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross in order that our sins may be forgiven. This forgiveness, this promise of salvation, and a life with God forever is for everyone. God loves us all, every one of us, and to live in his spirit is to live in a spirit of love for everyone. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give thanks for uh, your blessings, and most importantly, your son Jesus, and the love that you showed to us in establishing a new covenant that would forget, provide us forgiveness of, of sin and a closer relationship with you. And as we partake this bread, we remember your son Jesus on the cross and the sacrifice that he made to make us whole once again with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, as we take this cup, we remember the blood that was shed on the cross by Jesus. And uh, we know that, that through that we are cleansed and our sins are forgiven. And we give thanks for that and remember um, that sacrifice that was made for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A common love for each other, a common gift to the Savior, a common bond. All belongs to the Lord. A common faith when we're weary, a common hope for tomorrow, a common joy in the truth of God's word. At this time, we're going to... Um, Remember that um, all the gifts that God has provided for us, and it's our opportunity to give back in order to um, support this congregation as it works to uh, minister to each other here and, uh, uh, and people in the community and to try to reach out that ministry into um, other missions outside of the United States. And, 
Um, and this giving, uh, of course, primarily is through monetary um, funds, but uh, we also need giving through um, your hands and your feet and um, your work. And uh, we just ask that you uh, remember that as we uh, turn our minds towards giving this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your many blessings, and we take this time now to give back to you, and um, we uh, uh, pray that this, this contribution can be used to glorify you, to help support our ministries here, and that you can bless those ministries in our efforts to be successful in, um, in helping others and to bringing them to others to you. And dear Lord, we also want to remember that uh, giving also includes us, our, our ourselves, and our ability to do various work and and to help out uh, in a phys more physical nature. And we pray that we uh, always are seeking out opportunities to do that when we can, and um, and uh, to do that at all times that we can. And uh, dear Lord, we, again, we just remember all your blessings and uh, take this time to give back to you. And in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Please, everyone, stand. And at this time, we're, it's time to dismiss for um, Praise Kids and Stage 2 um, Limitless Kids. And before I let them in, in Scripture, we'll, we'll sing um, Faithful. Let us be faithful, 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 Lord. Let us be faithful, faithful, Lord. Though we cannot see, we still believe. Let us be faithful, faithful, Lord. We believe in a God who is able to bring justice and mercy to all. And he promises strength for the journey. 
scripture reading this morning from the first chapter of the book of Romans. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures, regarding his son who, as to his human nature, was a descendant of David, and who, through the spirit of holiness, was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Following down. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. That's an old church best. <laughs> well, I, I have to, I, I need to confess, first of all. And I'm just completely jealous of somebody who can rip off their mask when they get up here to the podium and not have your hearing aids fly off and your microphone fly <laughs> off and everything else. So Ryan gets up here and pulls, pulls, and I'm like, I can't do that. What is that about? That's probably not as funny to you as it is to me, as I have had this panic moment where I'm trying to get it off, and suddenly I've got stuff everywhere. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't care how cold it is outside. And I don't care if maybe we don't have quite as many people today because it's cold outside or something like that. There was this little boy named Kason Foster. Kason <laughs> Foster. And I came around the corner up here. And if you know Kason at all, there is no walking up to you. There is only running up to you. And there's no walking up to you and just kind of... And, and it just thrilled my heart, and I'm guessing that many of you want to say thank you to our children's ministry for the gift that they gave us for uh, Valentine's Day. Let's give them a big round of applause. I think that was wonderful. I, I don't know about you, um, but when we open the letter of Romans, it kind of makes your heart beat just a little bit faster. If you're a Christian... Particularly, you have this sense that something special is going on there. For those of you who don't know, when the New Testament was put together in the form that we have it now, it is not that Romans was the first of Paul's letters, it's just that it was the largest. And if you kind of track the letters as they go along in the order that you have them, what you'll see is that the biggest is first, and Philemon, the smallest, is last. But... It has still taken on a role of being first in these letters that, again, we as people of the church particularly want to gravitate to. The picture on the screen probably does a little bit of disservice. By the time we get to chapter 13, there's this guy named Tertius. Tertius, excuse me. Tertius, who, who as we see Paul in this dark room at night, late at night, and the Holy Spirit has taken hold of his hand and he's just kind of sitting there and letting the words flow out of him. That's somehow we, sometimes how we see biblical inspiration. Tertius says something like, 
I, Tertius, who wrote all this down for Paul. And we kind of have to step back and wait a minute. What do you mean Tertius did this? Paul wrote this. Well, you need to always kind of see when these kind of writings come together, there's probably more than one person in the room with this go- when this is going on. We know that Luke is a companion of Paul and that Luke's gospel is shaped by Paul's journeys and Paul's teaching. We know that people like Timothy and Tertius and Silas are in the room with him probably. And they are working hard what is probably in Corinth as he's writing this letter. And he's anticipating that he is wanting to make a trip to turn in the money uh, from a collection. We'll come to that in a minute in Jerusalem. And then he wants to head west. He's kind of always been heading west. He, is covered, he headed out when the elders laid hands on him and said, you need to go proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. And he acts, the book of Acts tells us that he headed to Asia Minor, what we call Turkey today. And he preached the gospel there. And then he went back there again and he was trying to go north, but the Spirit said, no, go west. He's not a young man at this point. Go west, old man. And he winds up in uh, Macedonia, what we know as modern day Greece. And he preaches the gospel then not only to kind of a, a culture that is, that is, while very pagan, uh, not necessarily considered sort of the center, pla- center place that culture developed from. And when he steps into Macedonia and into Greece, he has stepped into a world that is where the language and the thought and the philosophy of everyone in what they would have considered the Roman world was inspired by. And Paul takes on the challenge of preaching the gospel there. Paul has never been to Rome, as far as we know, prior to writing this letter. But the gospel has made it to Rome. The gospel has been gone anywhere and everywhere that people who heard the message of Jesus has been raised from the dead, they went on their businesses and they went in their lives and they wound up in places and the gospel gets planted. In fact, what we what we understand from the context of church history is that probably... The church in Rome was established there, maybe even before any of the major apostles made it there. Rome was a very powerful place where the Jewish community was very, very strong. And it would have been very likely that Jews who lived their life in Rome would have been visiting Jerusalem. Maybe for the Passover when Jesus was crucified. Maybe for Pentecost when that first gospel sermon was preached. And so many came to faith in Christ and no longer putting their faith in the sacrifices and in the law of Moses, but putting their faith in Christ and they would return to Rome and begin to tell the story. Look, 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 when we read the law, the prophets and the writings or the Psalms, What we see in there is a revelation of this one named Jesus of Nazareth who God raised from the dead and who sent the Spirit on these men that proclaimed the good news to everyone in every language. And they went home to Rome and they began to tell exactly the same story. First of all in the synagogues, but it looks pretty quickly that the synagogues were uh, resistant to that being the open teaching under their Uh, sphere of influence and so the churches began to meet in homes we have this incredible excitement that what Paul is going to unfold is going to be a statement of the gospel maybe unparalleled anywhere else 
a powerful sense that as we read these pages, we're flipping through maybe a lifetime of Paul saying, here is how I want to preach this. Here is how I want this to be understood. And yet, there is going to be a specific context for the way in which he delivers that message. The series that we're going to be going through, and this will carry us through the rest of the spring, will actually, as I have done with several longer teaching segments, we'll take a break in the summer and we'll come back to it in the fall. We're calling it Celebrating God's Good News. I think you heard just in those introductory words that Gary read for us so eloquently that Paul is a servant, a servant of Jesus Christ, and he is thrilled about the gospel of God. Amen? In fact, it is kind of the thing that drives his life. In Bible class a little bit earlier, we read from Acts chapter 20 where he's kind of having a final message with the elders from Ephesus. And what he says over and over again is, I'm not sure I'm going to come back alive. But this I know, that till my dying breath, I want to be about the gospel of God. And somebody said, amen, because that's what we want to be about. So I want to invite you to get on board with us in this celebrating of God's good news, digging into Romans. I want to ask for you two things, if you would, and not and hopefully this week, if not this week, in the next couple of weeks. I want to ask you, first of all, to read all 16 chapters of Romans in one sitting. It would be great to do it twice. It would be great to do it twice. I'm going to describe to you. I would like for you to just sit and let the words pour over you. Don't hesitate. Don't stop. Just read it all. By the way, I happen to know that some of you read better when someone else is reading for you. And there are several apps, uh, apps that are available or websites where you can tell it to start reading. And you follow along in the text. Now, I want to be sure and say, this does not mean I'm going to knit and let it read to me. I'm going to work on the dishes and let it read to me. I'm going to shovel the snow in the driveway while it's reading to me in my headphones. Wouldn't it be a miracle if we had to actually get out and shovel snow? I have a feeling that even if we have that much snow, none of us are going to shovel it in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Because what we know, just wait. It'll all be gone very, very quickly. But what I also know is that schools have been canceled. Businesses have been closed. And you're going to have a few extra hours to do something like from... Very good. But the second time I want you to read it, I want you to do something a little bit different. And this will take a little more time. It actually doesn't take that long to read all 16 chapters. The second time I'd like you to read it, it doesn't have to be just in one sitting, but I would say that in the next couple of weeks, get through the entirety of the book and underline things that jump off the page to you. Where do you think Paul is putting his emphasis? Why do you think Paul is stacking up his arguments this way? Because the more prepared in the text you can be for what's coming next in the sermon, the better that you're going to be able to look at and analyze and most importantly, apply to your life, both in the way you think and the attitude of your heart and, of course, with all biblical teaching, what really counts is how we live. I can work very hard all week long for multiple weeks getting ready for a sermon but I can promise you it won't have as much effect if you've already looked at the text and said, God, how do you want me to be about this process? 
There's something else I want you to do in the next couple of weeks. And by the way, excuse me, I want this to be an ongoing process, an ongoing project. I'd like you to get a little journal book to go along with your reading of Romans. You can make notes in it if you want to, but fairly early in the process, maybe even before you write a single note in your journal book for Romans, I want you to write out, I want be sure to begin writing your thoughts on God's good news. Let's just be sure and say, I have a feeling that everybody here and everybody online knows that when we say gospel, we're simply taking a, a Greek-Latin word and kind of putting it in English phonics and saying it the way they said it back then. But in reality, all that we're talking about is good news. That same word would have been used in anybody's vernacular when they came home and said, I've got good news, I've got a raise from at work, or I've got good news, honey, I'm pregnant. Whatever that good news may be, they would have used this same term. So when you think about your love for God and God's love for you, when you think about God sending his son and Jesus choosing to die and being raised by God and God sending the Holy Spirit on those who would put him on in baptism so that we can live a life transformed by God and live a life of witness and testimony to who Jesus is, to God good news. When you think about those things, how would you write that out? How would you explain it to somebody? If somebody said, I see something different in your life, would you say, oh, well, that's because I am a... a essential oil person, and I'm, I, I, I get better because of that. Or I'm on this special diet. I'm a, I'm a paleo diet guy. Or would it, would it be because you say, I've got this great job and it just makes my life. Or would you say, what's different about my life is I have good news that comes from God. And how would you explain that to them? Because in many ways, what Paul is doing in his letter, is explaining to the church in Rome what is the good news that is behind his preaching everywhere he's been on his mission trips. A good news that he says, I want to take to you to see you and bless you, but I want to go on to the West. I want to go on to Spain with this good news. And I want you to hear that good news. But that is not all that's involved in what Paul does when he is writing to the Roman church in this letter, we need to set a little bit more of the stage. The letter is written sometime probably in the early 50s. That's when we kind of see this letter kind of coming together. It may be as late as the mid-50s. Rome is a place of great success. It is the hub of, of administration. It is the hub of business. It is the hub of, of the power of Rome. That whether you were in Israel during Jesus' time there and Pontius Pilate is the one that has to put someone to death or whether you are living in Rome as a, as a Jew who's come to know Jesus and you were there on the day of Pentecost and you saw that happen and you were baptized on the day of Pentecost but you came home to Rome and started telling people about Jesus, you know that the Roman Empire's touch goes absolutely everywhere. It is the influence on their world. 
And to a certain extent, whenever you read particularly the Pauline letters, you have to recognize that the, the context, the cultural context that he's speaking into is always going to be influenced by Roman military, Roman empire, and the pagan religions that, that the empire supported and held up as good. There's also a certain extent to which when we read Acts, we need to hear Luke explaining to outside readers that the Christian faith um, comes directly from the Jewish faith. And so the idea that it would be a new religion that needed permission to exist in the Roman Empire was not true. Because as the Romans had given Jews the permission to worship in their own way, the Christians were simply, the, the, that's their family tree. They come from that. Rome in A.D. 50. The expansion of Julius Caesar has, has kind of reached its climax at this point. And now we're trying to figure out how in the world do we hold on to all this territory that Julius Caesar has prepared, has uh, made way for. And in A.D. 50, a person named Claudius, uh, Marcus Claudius Marcellus, also known as Claudius simply, is the emperor in that day and time. And in A.D. 49, he does something very significant. He evicts the Jews from Rome, and this is quoted from his own memoirs, for disturbances in the synagogue instigated by Crestus. Now, there is quite a bit of, of commentary on this name Crestus because it would have been an extremely common name for a slave in Rome to have at that time. People would have said, oh, there's a slave uprising maybe in the synagogues that they're supporting or something akin to that. But what is thought by many people is that Claudius's uh, note-takers, Claudius's scribes who are writing out his memoirs, simply misunderstood what was being said. Crestus and Christus are very similar to each other. And the difference is, is that Christus, the Latin name for Christ, Christ, Messiah, Jesus, that Christus was a common name and Christus was a very uncommon name. And so it would have been very easy for the scribe writing Claudius's memoirs and taking notes of all the edicts that he's laying out, like the eviction of the Jews, that at least a possibility of what's going on is those synagogues have become places of disturbance because there are Jews who were there on the day of Pentecost and Jews who have heard the message of Jesus all over the Roman world that's been expanding out. And they have begun to say, if we're going to be the real people of Israel, if we're really going to be the people who are faithful to God, if we're really going to be the people who follow the law of Moses and hear the prophets speak to us and live within the writings of the Psalms and Proverbs and the rest of the Old Testament, we need to know who Messiah is. We need to know who Christus is. And this did not always go over very well. It made for disturbances. When we read the book of Acts, we see that Paul goes into the synagogues and preaches Jesus, and there are people who believe and there are people who don't. And it can turn into a riot that can turn an entire city upside down. And so, this setting 
that in 49, Claudius kicks the Jews out of Rome. And included with Jewish heritage people would have been people who practiced along the lines of Jewish faith. In other words, a proselyte, someone who decided that's what they wanted to make their life. They wanted to convert to Judaism. But there's a third group that probably got kicked out. Christians who lived under the Jewish laws of purity and the Jewish ideals of following God. We hear of them quite often. Paul will refer to them. The people who live in Jerusalem often will be talked about as Jewish Christians. That is the idea that they know that Jesus is the Messiah, but they will observe Sabbath. They will eat kosher. They will observe all the holidays and those kinds of things. They will circumcise their boy children at eight days old because they're following the Jewish law and they see Jesus as a fulfillment of everything that God is doing. And so those Christians would have, along with the Jews, probably been kicked out of Rome. History tells us that when business is good, you'll do almost anything to keep business going. And the Jews were good businessmen. And they figured out ways to slowly get back into Rome over the years that would be the, the following years to conduct business. But in 54, Nero is the new emperor. And he reopens, officially reopens, and it's thought that really what he's doing is saying, we're, we're going to say it's okay for you to be here, even though most of them had come back. Aquila and Priscilla, by the way, when we meet them in Acts, I believe, chapter 16, probably represent Jews who had heard about Jesus and put their faith in Christ, continued to live under some sort of Jewish law, but were kicked out where Paul encountered them in Corinth. This idea that the Christian Gentiles would have been alone in the city of Rome and been able to practice Christianity without any encumbrances or any disturbances from the Jewish observing, the, the law observing Christian Jews or the full-fledged Jews who didn't accept Jesus as Christ seems to be the backdrop that Paul is writing to. Because Paul wants to impact the church. Paul wants for them to understand that the gospel calls us to change our lives and change our behaviors. Paul will spend a great deal of time expanding the implications of the gospel. And as you read the book, I think what you're going to discover is that he spends a lot of time talking about how both the Jews have an implication on the gospel, and the Gentiles are a beneficiary of what the gospel means to the Jews. When you get to chapters 9, 10, and 11, which if you've read Romans before, you know that to be some of the most difficult parts of the book to get through. It is the context that as Paul is writing this letter, he is trying to bless a place where the two groups of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians are having, it, having a hard time figuring out how to be the body of Christ together. I don't know about you and I, but every once in a while, being the body of Christ and being a witness to the salvation of God can be interrupted by relationships 
inside the church. We don't have Jew and Gentile. We probably don't really have anything that gets very close to that bar of measurement. But we still understand what it's like to be divided inside the unified body of Christ. Real quickly, as we look at Paul's other letters, we have a couple of things that point us to something Paul's really trying to get at. In Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, all they asked, he's telling about this edict that we read about in Acts chapter 15, this edict that says the Gentiles do not have to become Jews to be those who can be faithful to Christ. And at the end of, of his statement about what they approved, including his own apostleship to the Gentiles, all they asked that we should continue to remember the poor. And he says, the very thing that I am eager to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 1-4, through 4, now about the collection for the Lord's people. When I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gifts up to Jerusalem. For Paul, there would be very few things that would be more important in affirming the heart of this, of this decision by the church in Jerusalem, and the elders in Jerusalem, by the apostles, that the Gentiles were going to be welcomed into the people of God, welcomed into Israel, not because they've met the requirements of external laws, but because they have chosen to put their faith in Jesus. And there was nothing that was going to testify that more than this gift of people who lived in Macedonia, people who lived in Asia Minor, possibly even people who lived in the Rome, in Roman area, to go back to Jerusalem to benefit the Jewish Christians there at home. This is illustrated in Romans itself in chapter 15. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. They owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. Paul says... In my, in my ministry of spreading the gospel, in the ministry of establishing that we can be one church, whether we come from Jewish origins or whether we come from Gentile origins, that the gospel will not make its full proclamation without us being one church. And to him, one of the key ingredients to the Jerusalem church, always understanding that the Gentiles are not trying to take God and Jesus away and run off in their own direction, but instead are unified and see them as part of the body, part of the family of God with them, is this gift that's going to go back to Jerusalem. Paul will even say, the gift of the gospel came to you from, he won't say specifically Jerusalem, but from those roots came the gift of the gospel. And don't you think that we should be people who say thank you in returning this financial gift, this physical gift, to those people. When we put these layers on the book of Romans, we're no longer looking at simply, let me tell you in the best way I possibly can what the gospel is, but what we're hearing is a teaching that says that we cannot be the gospel people 
unless we figure out how to get through and unless we harness this idea of both Christians that come from Jewish roots, the roots of the law and the prophets, and Christians who come to it brand new, and we want to take that message to the rest of the world. Little did he know that the gospel would go all over the world. And it wouldn't just be, it wouldn't just be about Jewish and Gentile audiences, but European and Asian and European and African. And they didn't even know there's this whole continent over here called the Americas and that the gospel would need to go there. And it couldn't be a European gospel going to the Americas or an African gospel going to Asia. It had to be the gospel of Jesus in which we're all tied together that goes all over the world until Christ comes back and makes all things new. As we close out, I ask you to listen to the rest of these words from the first part of chapter 1 as Paul introduces his message and lay upon it the layer of understanding that he's working very hard to establish this new unity or renewed unity among these people. Starting with verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God whom I serve in my spirit and in, in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray now at last by God's will the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so they I impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you but have been preventing from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. And now some language that starts to point. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. And now the words that Gary concluded with. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, but because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Now here come the particulars. To the Jews, then to the Gentiles. For in the gospel, the righteousness, by the way, not a Jewish righteousness, not a righteousness of Gentile faithful believers, but a righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith, from first to last, just as it is written. And we'll be unpacking this statement quite a bit. The righteous will live by faith. Paul says, I'm unashamed of the gospel. And I want to say that, that it is true that that phrase, I'm unashamed of the gospel, is about the idea that I will not let anyone make me cower to proclaim it. But I want to also say that the way we live either brings joy to God or it shames the gospel of God. Very quickly, living unashamed of the gospel, that is to not put shame on the gospel, is about following Jesus and fully loving God above all other things. Now think about all the things that we can put there in its place. 
Well, I'll follow Jesus as long as I can be a Republican and follow Jesus. I'll follow Jesus as long as I can be an American and follow Jesus. I'll follow Jesus as long as I can be one of those people in our society who has power and influence because I'm well regarded. Or I can follow Jesus simply because I love God above all other things. Number two, following Jesus in loving others in spite of our differences. Again, it's pretty easy to say, yes, I recognize that there are people outside the church that I don't necessarily get along with. They have such a different value system. I just not sure. And God would say to you, you need to build bridges. Not that you accept the things that they do that are contrary to the gospel of God, but that you love them in spite of it. But make no mistakes. Shame comes to the gospel when in the church we let anything keep us from loving everyone who is included in God's family. Somebody say, we need to be considering that. Number three, just want to reiterate, recognizing the divisions. Not simply saying, yes, I want to get along with everybody, but recognizing the things that might divide us. Whether that's the color of our skin, or the fact that one group of people hold on to a more, uh, say, shall we say, a traditional view of things, and one group of people have, have kind of said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave some of those traditions behind. We must recognize the things that keep me from looking at each and every person. Whether we're looking at them online or in person. And saying, I love you. I love you in spite of our differences. And my love for you is greater than our differences. And in doing so, we bring joy to God instead of shame to the gospel. Would you pray with me very quickly? Father God, thank you for this day and this time in your word. I want to thank you in advance for the reading that's going to be done and, and the way that your spirit is going to move through that reading to open our hearts and minds. Not just to the meaning and the power of the letter to the Romans, but of how our lives need to be shaped more and more in conformity to your gospel, to loving God with heart, soul, mind, and strength and to loving others as ourselves. Open our eyes to these realities. Bless us in this journey, I pray particularly, that you would give me insight to make every message be something that comes home to us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the love that sent him, the love that took him to the cross, and the love that raised him from the dead. It is in that gospel that we want to live. And we all say, Amen. The power of God to bring salvation to everyone. And the question today is, have you allowed that power to change your life? If you haven't, or if you have questions about how to make that power change your life into salvation, 
and we would be glad to enter into that conversation with you anywhere in this room, anywhere, anytime, over a phone or face-to-face. If you want to reach out to us online, there's a number there, and we will see that message, and that will start a conversation as well. We ask you to be a part of the salvation of God that is for everyone. Won't you come as we stand and sing? Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace over all victorious in its pride and We are in the middle of, literal middle of our elder nomination process right now, and um, we distributed the forms last week. If you did not get a form, there are several options for you. Number one, we do have some forms available here in the lobby. We do have them on our church website. And if you can't get either of those, your printer's broken, your ink jets are jammed, and life's just miserable for you, you can just send us an email to the address that you see there on the screen and uh, just make sure you provide your name and your phone number because sometimes email addresses are kind of cryptic and we need to know who sent in the nomination form. If you do go to the website, you can look for our famous green button there on the right side of the webpage. You click on that button and you'll get details of the nomination process as well as the link to the form and any other information that you can uh, you require. Today, we have made the form a little bit easier to uh, leave here with us. We've moved the deposit box to the left of the uh, exit as you go out of the building. You will need to fold the form a little bit uh, to get it into the box, but you're welcome to leave the form there. Uh, we have additional blank forms there if you need to get one to fill out and pens. I won't vouch for the sanitation of the pens, but we do have sanitation supplies there on the uh, outside too if you need, need that. Uh, the schedule, as I said, we're right smack dab in the middle of the nomination process. Next week on the 21st at 4 p.m., it's done. So please get us your nominations before 4 p.m. next week so that we can start to count it and determine what the, uh, what the results are and move ahead. Uh, as always, you're welcome to contact any member of the team uh, you have my phone number there. Uh, you can find all of the phone numbers in our instant church directory and follow up if you have any questions or need any information. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. And also thanks to that team of folks. Just keep them uh, in your prayers and this process in your prayers. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for the ones online and, and the few that battled the, 
the weather to come and join us in person. Uh, we do appreciate that. Um, also want to continue to say thank you so much for your giving and, and uh, during some very difficult times, the, 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 the hearts of, of the blessings that you keep continue giving to this church so we continue the work that we want to, to do uh, here and around the world. Um, also, if you're not in a life group, um, need to uh, get involved. I mean, if there's, if there's a way and an easy way to really get involved and do some extra stuff, this is, this is one way to do it. Find uh, online or just get in touch with anybody and ask, you know, um, what kind of, what do y'all do and what are, what are we doing right now? We're going through this um, leading well and, um, and really has some excellent, excellent discussion. Um, I really appreciate uh, those who are leading those groups. Our group has really had some really good discussion. Um, please look at your caring and sharing. There's a couple of um, the thank you cards that are in there uh, from individuals from uh, where they've been battling some different uh, types of illnesses and, and, uh, and cancer and stuff like that. Just want to uh, lift them up in prayers and also our, our people on our prayer list. Uh, we have some that's listed here. The lift, uh, George and Kelly Lane, um, Edna Allen, Carlette Mulkey, William Hickel, Chelsea Miller, and Josie Miller. Uh, if you would look at those and just kind of be uh, uh, purposeful in your prayers for those individuals. Um, I don't think I have anything else at this time other than the couple. One thing um, about as we leave the church building, something that uh, we need to make sure that we do, make sure the doors are locked, you know, especially if you're the last ones coming in. I know there's a couple of people that, that do this quite often and are very, uh, very good at it. But we've been leaving a lot of lights on in the building, and especially right now in this time, um, that added sucking on the uh, the electricity is not a good thing. So if you're the last one in or out, make sure the lights are out. Uh, starting also on March, I think the date is 21st, uh, we're going to start a new class. Um, I'm I'm pretty excited about this because. Uh, this came from our life group, so and, and now we're going to be doing it. So what it's going to be is we're going to be discussing all the ministries that this church does, but also you're going to be able to see the faces of the people who are leading those ministries, and this is going to be an opportunity where you can see, ooh, that's something I would like to do and get involved. So starting uh, Sunday morning class on the 21st, um, we'll start that process of going through all the ministries that we um have going on here at this church. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you so much for uh, this day and for uh, the many blessings that you have given us. Uh, just the love that you show us and the love that you showed through your son. I just ask that, that we can just spread that love to one another and to others in this community and touch their hearts. There's so many that are struggling in this time of, of being away from, from people and and missing that, that, that hug and that face-to-face -face contact. We just need to do uh, our best to be able to call those people. And um, as Peter said, you know, this week, um, go through the directory for somebody you haven't seen. Give them a call and check on them. 
uh, just that would be a, a blessing of, uh, of love that we can show to them. Go with us through this week. Let's all be safe. Keep the uh, people who may have to travel on the roads, um, give them a safe trip. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all be standing for our closing song.